American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. This is Alex, joined as always by my co-host, James. Hello. And we are joined by our favorite recurring guest, Ryan Williams. Ryan, thank you for joining us today. I'm honored as usual, gentlemen. So today we saw Everton draw nil-nil at Goodison Park against Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby with zero fans. Um, If you listen to our preview episode, none of us expected no goals. James, you did not expect a draw at all. Something a little bit worse. A lot worse, actually, for a Merseyside Derby. Um, But as Ryan is our guest, Ryan, you will go first. Please give us your instant match reaction. Yeah, the crowd is very strange today. There were some strange moments of cheering when nothing happened. Uh, yeah, I, it's unbelievable. You know, can I just make a quick commentary on that one? You know, it's bad enough that the Premier League did VAR in the worst possible way. You know, they step back. Let's look at all the best practices of everyone and let's go on our own and do a new way and totally screw it up. So how is it that every other league can make the audio look somewhat organic? And I mean, it wasn't as bad that I noticed some of the other matches have been insanely bad but anyway okay um yeah i mean i I think it was a deserved result i was the biggest thing i took away and we'll talk a little bit later about individual performances but i think as a team everton stayed in their shape i i don't think we could ask too much more considering the personnel that were available to us um and we get into the tactics a little bit they didn't change too much they they altered a little bit the way they were attacking liverpool and we we kind of made a couple changes late in the second half but we're fairly disciplined. Uh, were we consistently dangerous? No. But look, I me, mean, Liverpool's main chances were really offset pieces. And, and those are a byproduct too of putting pressure on us and stuff like that. But uh, And it was obvious too. I thought we were more rusty than them. And as we grew into the game, I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that we had the more dangerous few chances in the second half. But 0-0 is probably what it, what it deserved to be. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if a goal would have went in at any one moment. But I mean, no one can complain about that. I don't think I would have taken a point before the game. I'll take a point now. And uh, we've kind of moved through the more difficult area of our schedule. And I think we have a chance to to do some damage, assuming we can get some some people healthy. Totally agree, Ryan. I mean, especially the first half really felt like both teams kind of dipping their toes back into the water of Premier League football, where it was not a whole lot of, I guess, coherent play, a lot of rustiness, a lot of mispasses. Things that, you know, maybe for us, we might come have come to expect for this season where there's been an entire games where we've looked like that. But for Liverpool, pretty uncharacteristic of them. And, you know, there were times where we, we really should have punished them on the break. But the biggest takeaway for me today was just how resolute and determined our shape was and how disciplined we are, were on defense. Didn't try to do too much for most of the time. Played it pretty safe. Played a lot of long balls up. Played a lot of balls out of play when we were under pressure. And yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, if you listen to the pre-match, I predicted a loss. I always go into these games predicting the worst or expecting the worst. That way I can only be uh, pleased and never disappointed. And, and I would have snapped anyone's hand off for a point at the at kickoff and I'll, I'll take the point all day long. Now that's strategy. 
Uh, <laughs> I agree. With, I agree with both of you, though. I think. I think legitimately, my biggest takeaway. My my biggest takeaway was was the was the organization and keeping the structure um, throughout the match and just the the good defensive focus. I think. Um, but let's bring it back to the beginning, gentlemen. Let's talk about the starting lineup. I think it's safe to say that at least one or two names could have surprised some people. So we started off with Pickford and goal, Lucas Dean, uh, Michael Keane, Ma- Mason Holgate, Seamus Coleman. And then we had Awobi Davies, Andre Gomez, and Anthony Gordon made his first full debut for Everton in a Merseyside derby in which his friends and family could not come see. And then we had Calvert-Lewin and, and, and Richarlison up top. Uh, so Ryan, how do, what did you think about the lineup? Were there any surprises? Um, and yeah. Give us give us the lowdown. Yeah, I think Gordon was a surprise. Um, it's funny in the in the pre match you heard Carlo say some things about him. He seemed very confident of Gordon. Uh, he did take one free kick and, and and hit it pretty well. I mean, we know he has talent. I think some people really wanted to see him play on the right side because I think we all think that we have an issue there. We don't have someone to play on the right. And so when they announced the lineup, I'm pretty sure Everton put him on the on the right. When yeah, they did. You know, yeah, yes, they did. Right. And so so I was thinking about that, and I'm like. I thought that was a little odd too, because I think I even tweeted that. I was like, I thought he was, I thought he was more of a left-sided player, and I hadn't seen him really play much. I haven't seen him play that much, but I, I've never seen him play on the right. And then, sure enough, you saw how we were set up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it was surprising, but I think they're also thinking in the future in terms of fitness and things like that too. Uh, I think that's probably why we didn't see Bernard get as much of a run. Yeah, overall, Anthony Gordon took me completely by surprise. I said on our Discord early pre-match, someone someone floated the possibility of of Gordon starting. I said, absolutely no way. And I think that's just a function of being conditioned under our last several managers where no matter how bad things are going, they never seem to be willing to switch things up. And you That's know, true. That's, that's a really, really, really good point. point. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. How could you miss and not have that feeling, right? Right. Like Gilfie Sigurdsson nailed on starter all season, but I think... We, we may have underestimated Don Carlo's uh, acumen here because I think it was a really smart move to not shoehorn Gilfie Sigurdsson out wide, um, even though eventually he did, of course, come on as a sub. But really liked putting the hometown kid, homegrown kid in for the Derby. Unfortunate that his, his you know, first senior start has to come with no fans. But I thought he did pretty well, all things considered. He'll obviously continue to get better. This was just him feeling things out and with our fitness concerns, you know, give the kids a chance. We talked about it last episode with though we do still have things to play for. This is a good opportunity to also kind of kick the tires on some of these kids and see what really we need most in the summer, which obviously Marcel brands probably has a good idea of that by now, but really encouraging to see. And then a will again back from injury finally. So again, not his best performance, but I think he did what he was asked to do as well as could be expected against a team like Liverpool. All fair points. Good points. Even, so I, I just want to ask you to a question real quick before we move really into the, into the meat of the episode, which is talking about the match itself. But let's look at the substitutes list because the top two names are two goalkeepers. Now, I understand we usually only have seven names on the substitutes list. We now have nine because of, you know, part of the project restart, we're able to have five substitutes. Um, but... I never in a million years would have thought that we would have had two goalkeepers on the team sheet for a match day. It is odd. Uh, I, I, has anyone else done that? I can't imagine they have. I mean, it, I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, it's such a rare instance to, to lose both your keepers. Um, yeah, I, I just think we literally are out of numbers. Although it was very curious that Sidibe, who I thought trained all week and I know his loan is up, 
Um, and Omar, they weren't on the bench, were they? I don't think they were. Rumor on the street is that Martino, I mean, not Martina, sorry, uh, Sidibe must have picked up some kind of injury. I can't really think of any other explanation as to why, the only reason. why he wouldn't have featured, at least on the bench. I mean, it may have been something to do nice for Jao Virginia. Honestly, maybe there's something in Jao Virginia's contract. I'm not kidding. You know what I mean? I, I can't. I'm stretching here, guys, because it's just bizarre. <laughs> I mean, how do you have two? I think my joke was that we're going to try and set them all three of them up with uh, goalkeeper outfits and throw them all in at the end if we're killing the game. And, you know, Bean wouldn't have a clue who the hell was genius. the actual goalie or not. Or, yeah, genius. Way to think out of the box. Um, no, it's absurd. But it just goes to show you the situation we were in. Uh, but yeah, you think there were a couple guys that he could have put in there. I know some people were mad about Sims not playing, but people need to get over that thing, man. I mean, he is clearly a very good goal scorer. He has some great instincts. He's big, strong. I get it. He's not ready yet, and that's okay. And we, we're we barely getting Moise Keane in the game. So can we slow right. that down just a little bit? I, I, I hope he turns out to be a great player. I want him to be challenged. I'm not even suggesting he shouldn't go out on loan or anything like that. But if we're having trouble getting Moise Keane in the game, when is when is El Sims going to play? I mean, exactly. So, come on, man. I mean, let's slow that down a little. Like, it is weird though. I mean, I, I I don't know if anybody else has done that. I I don't. Know. Strange though. That if if it comes down to Jao Virginia or Umar Nias, uh, I I might have to. I think I lean towards Virginia to be perfectly honest. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Nias scored a goal with his butt. I mean, so maybe, like, maybe Steck is maybe Steck's like the fourth choice center back, and we don't even realize it. I mean, he's tall. Oh. That's a good or show. He's, or he's or he's uh, number two target forward. There you go. That's yes. I mean that has happened before. Who was it? I can't remember. I can't remember who the goalie was. Not too long. Ago. I mean, it's a while ago. Oh God, who was it? I feel like he may have scored too. Anyway, I'll remember that at some point later. But yeah, it's I definitely have seen that. Before. How funny would that have been? I mean, imagine if a center back goes down on our team. Oof, well, don't. it looks like it's going to be Branthwaite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah, straight from League Two Carlisle to Bang Everton. I mean. That's another one. People need to, oh, no, we'll be okay. We got we got him, you know, going into next year. I'm like, are you kidding? Have you seen this kid play? I mean, he is a wonderful talent, man. He is tall. I mean, you see how big he is, right? He is yeah. fast. He is athletic. And he is not remotely polished and nowhere near ready to play in the Premier League, people. You need to cut him a little bit of a break, man. I mean, he just got into first team training the last couple of weeks. I mean, geez, man. Straight from Carlisle, League Two. I mean, come on. That's a little ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, what would they have I don't know. I've never seen it. I, I can't think of any real reason why. With that settled, why don't we dive into the match? So we saw, uh, and we knew that this would probably be an issue or or just expected, but we saw that in the opening minutes, it was hard for both teams to get a rhythm. Although I think it's fair to say within the first 15 minutes, Everton saw more of the ball, but we saw you know a decent amount of errant passes. Um, we saw that we were we were finding it pretty hard to bring the tempo of the game up I think based on Liverpool's press, which they're known very well for, um, the, the, the the speed of their press along with the efficiency in which they press in, in packs, hunting in packs, as they like to say. Um, yep. So so we'll switch it up and we'll have James go first. So James, what did you think about the beginning of the match? Um, and were, were there any standout moments or thoughts that went through your mind um, in the first opening, let's say, 15 minutes? Well, full disclosure, I did miss the first, I think, eight minutes of the match because I was uh, visiting with my dad this morning for Father's Day, so had to hustle home to catch the match. But uh, I guess that's okay, James. But but honestly, as soon as I turned it on, it was it was pretty evident. Like like you said, Alex, the rust. I mean, we were doing a good job of like neutralizing their ability to get forward, but then as soon as we would recover the ball, we just couldn't string like one or two passes together to break that really quick pressure that Liverpool like to put on when they turned the ball over and it just resulted in us having to kind of 
beyond the back foot. I mean, the midfield looked definitely very disjointed early on. I think Tom Davies kind of was trying to feel his way into the game. Andre Gomez didn't start off particularly well. Um, I mean, Liverpool looked very fit. I will say that, like relative to to what I've seen in the other matches. I mean, their press was right there, cutting passing lanes, doing all those sorts of good things and making things very difficult for us. Um, up front, I mean, Richarlison constantly looking to put pressure on. He looked like he really wanted to uh, lend credence to uh, the statements that he allegedly made. I don't know if are those confirmed about Van Dyke. I think they're saying- slightly interpreted. I, I've seen yeah. what he actually said. I mean, you know, he, he said he's talked about a lot, but I mean, he, he I mean, he was relatively respectful. I mean, he wasn't yeah. saying great. I mean, it was a little right. blown out of proportion, you know, but that's that's life these days, guys. I mean, the smallest thing happens and someone's tweeting that, you know, they basically so. But he did look hungry. He did look like he wanted to make an impact, maybe at times to a fault, trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, I thought Dominic Calvert-Lewin honestly kind of struggled. I mean, we know he's really good in the air, but I thought they really made Liverpool made a concerted effort to put Van Dyke on him at any time, at all times, and really didn't have much going as far as an outlet long with him. But early on, I mean, yeah, it was a pretty much a stalemate, which again all you can hope for. I was just hoping that we didn't go down like a goal very early. And then we would really be having to, to struggle to get into the game for the rest of the match. Yeah. Looking at lineups too, we should, I guess, consider Liverpool's lineup. Putting yeah. Joel Matip in uh, makes a big difference in terms of Dominic, because if you put Joe Gomez in there, while he's a very good defensive center back, he's nowhere near as good in the air. So um, that kind of balance allowed, it kind of took away the idea. If you wanted to use Dom as an outlet, now you can't shove him on one side and force the ball to him because you've right. got two guys that are pretty good in the air that can kind of neutralize that. Yeah, I, th- I thought the, the main storyline of the beginning of the game was we packed it in a little bit. You know, they missed some chances, nothing big. When we were taking goal kicks, I mean, obviously every goal kick, especially against the press, has kind of a designed way to kind of combat it. You know, I'm not a total tactical dunce. I know a couple of these different ways. I, th- I thought it's just hard to see sometimes at the camera angle exactly how Liverpool was set up, but... Uh, when they panned out a couple times, it didn't look like the fullbacks were actually pressing that aggressively, at least on it. So the outlets and the opening spaces were basically kind of past that first line and in the wide spaces. And that, that's normally, if teams are going to be aggressive in pressure, even if they're going to man mark people, that's normally where the spaces are. But normally what happens is the more common breakout is, you know, the, especially against the 4-3-3 is center backs normally play a little wider. Either the fullbacks are pulled up or or pushed up kind of into those spaces, kind of you know, about not quite to the halfway line, but certainly in front of the fullbacks if they concede that. Now, if they attack those spaces, then it's quick one-touch bang, play it long, wide, and get your forwards in a dead sprint to go run after it. But their fullbacks kind of sat back a little bit, but you could tell Jordan Pickford wasn't very comfortable making that play, and we weren't pressing up our fullbacks necessarily. So conversely, the idea is to play it down the middle and get your center mids kind of running and try and get some, you know, 3v2s to break out. But yeah, we weren't sharp. And although Andre does a decent job of holding people off, I mean, you don't want to be doing that slowly moving the ball and fending someone off 35 yards from your own net. That's kind of a disaster. So you could see eventually we we abandon it. I, I mean, it was strange to put a center back literally right next to Jordan, you know, where he just tap it right to them. Um, but a little bit in our defense, we weren't sharp. We hadn't played much. And, and Yeri, I know he's a big grok, but it's probably a little better with his feet, especially in kind of putting weight and touch on passes than the other two guys. Mason's good sometimes, he's just inconsistent. So that probably forced us to start going long ball like crazy. Now, the problem was, if it wasn't a set piece, we were packed in pretty far. So although you're right, Richie played very hard. When our outlet was play it long to him or Dom, 
Um, you know, you want to get numbers around those guys to kind of win the second balls, but when a Wobie's pushed all the way back because Milner's that high, he can't get over to that side when they play it to Richarlison. And our center mids won nothing in terms of second chance and second balls in the first half. I mean, that was really frustrating to me. I recognize that Davies and and Andre Gomes are going to be bad positionally. I get that. And that terrifies me that they have to play together. Um, so I saw that Andre got bypassed a lot, as he always does. You know, he doesn't take the best angles. They're, they're not, you know, they're not pivoting their heads very well around. They don't get in the front of passing lanes. But fine, both of those two are pretty good at pressing up forward. So you would think they would have at least won a couple second balls. Now they did later in the second half. And we had a couple chances where we didn't play the ball over the top, but we probably had some, you know, opportunities to do so that didn't come off. And that's when you saw that really take shape. But it got it took a long time. You know what I mean? So the first half, no, we weren't very dangerous. But the only times we were dangerous is a Wobi broke out once or twice on the right side. Now, he didn't break out several times and everyone trashed him on Twitter for it. But I mean, cut him a break. I mean, he's the only guy that was trying to effectively transition. Otherwise, you just had this back line and a total gap between the forwards. So if you're not going to win second balls on playing long, long balls, you're going to get pinned back. And that's what happened, I think, at least in the first half. Um, but yeah, that did change a little bit going forward. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it was interesting because specifically in the first half, um, the two you saw really trying to transition the ball were actually Gordon and Iwobi. You saw yeah. Gordon a couple times trying to find them, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin in behind, but his balls either A, weren't the right angle or B, weren't the the right amount of pace um, or, or power on the on the pass. Wait, sure. Right. But, but the thing I think might... The biggest issue, really, I think, was the central midfield. And I don't think that Tom Davies had a bad a bad match, but specifically Andre Gomez. And, and Ryan, you mentioned kind of how he was slowly turning, holding people off, you know, 35 yards within um, within his own goal. Uh, I want to say he was dis- dispossessed alone two or three times in the first yep. half, right? Yep. Now, to be fair, um, you know, a couple of those, he did hold off one or two players prior to then being dispossessed by a second or third player, right? Um, because as as they, you know, it's not a lie, they hunt in packs and they're always pressing and they're pressing quickly. I yep. think it just took him quite a bit of time to understand really how much time he had on the ball. And to be honest, I think that was there for a lot of the players. Um, you know, you saw errant passes from a lot of them. Um, but the really, really the the biggest thing is we just lacked um, the energy, I think, in central midfield to 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 help us transition the play. You know, we we don't have we don't have a quick central midfielder um, who who is then kind of bombing forward and helping link up play. Um, but but I did feel like Richarlison was one of the more uh, lively players in the first half in terms of just how he was showing himself for the ball, really trying to take control of the situation. He had um, quite a few good hold up play moments in which he was. He was holding the ball up um, a little in a, in a fancier fashion than we see Dominic Calvert-Lewin do. That's for sure. Uh, but <laughs> I think he was pretty effective with it. And, and you know, going into the first half, understanding that it's nil-nil and knowing really that there weren't that many chances on either side, Liverpool pretty much held to um, shots outside the box or maybe like a free kick, then, then I was content coming into that point. Um, and, and so then we go into halftime and we know that we know that that gives managers opportunities, uh, teams opportunities to regroup, uh, make adjustments. Um, Liverpool did just at that because they ended up subbing on, I think, Oxlade-Chamberlain right at half. And so so let's talk about how maybe the game might have changed right when the second half came on. Because from my perspective, 
for about 10, maybe even 15 minutes, Everton were almost passengers. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were doing a good job of absorbing the pressure, but we surely could not win a second ball and we surely could not get that ball over the halfway line, in my opinion. So James, what did you think? Yeah, definitely a tough start to the second half. I really thought that that was when Liverpool would kind of take the reins and maybe put their bark on the game finally. But like you said, Alex, I mean, we did a good job of weathering the pressure. They really struggled to create concrete quality chances. And they did have moments of some really nice, dangerous interplay in the box, specifically a couple moments with Firmino. Uh, Mane had that moment where he he beat Sheamus down on a turn that was actually, to his credit, an, a nice little move. Um, but I mean, Jordan Pickford ended up with a, a few decent saves. I mean, you know, Given his history in recent derbies, I was a little uh, skittish, especially on the set pieces. <laughs> but he he stood strong. He looked confident. A couple like balls that he maybe could have caught that popped out, but never to the point where he wasn't easily able to recover them. Um, and yeah, we, we I think we just looked to be a little bit more direct. And I think the Liverpool back line maybe lost a little bit of their organization. They, of course, were forced to make some substitutions. James Milner yep. went off injured. And then um, Matip also went off. So that, that gave us... Again, they once the substitutes happened for Liverpool, I think we really started to kind of exploit the the disorganization on Liverpool's back line. Unfortunately, nothing really ever came of it. But Richarlison had a really nice chance that he wasn't quite able to bring down. I think that was in the first half, but then in the second half also a couple other nice chances that just really I mean, I I screamed a lot of expletives, I'm not gonna lie, in that second half, thinking that we really had a chance to put the game away. But um overall Hard to be too frustrated when Carlo's influence clearly showed that, you know, this team, we we really were focused on not conceding first and then trying to see if we could create that one magical chance on the opposite end. Yeah, I think the big, big change, there was a slight tactical shift where Liverpool just started attacking down the right, our left side, down the right side. Uh, Luca Dean, I don't think, had a great first half. I mean, he grew into it a little bit. He made some mistakes and bad touches. He had one golden cross that he just completely shanked, basically. Yeah. Um, but but he really grew into the second half. So when they decided that, you know, enough of this, because Coleman did an awesome job with money. There was one moment where Keane took the yellow card, which I got pretty mad about. Yes. Tactically, to me, there was no one really in front of Sadio Mane on that play. You know, Coleman's all over him. I, I don't know why he, Keane seemed like the back line was close enough that Michael could have just went in and just grabbed that second ball and just either taken Mane out or won it clean or whatever. And he did, and he backed off. And I was like, oh, dude, you don't want to do that. Um, some people think it was a wise move, whatever. But other than that, I think Klopp realized at one point he's like, forget this. So he started attacking down the right side almost exclusively. I feel like it was almost Ox made a big difference. Oxley Chamberlain made it more difficult for Luca Dean in the air. You saw a lot of longer balls sent that way, but Luca did pretty well. He's decent in the air for a guy who's not a massive left back. So I think that tactically changed things a lot. But then I think the subs in Liverpool, James, you totally hit it. I thought they made a massive difference and helped Everton tremendously. Um Milner going off knowing that you don't have your starter left back anyway in there. Um, that's a very different arrangement. Joseph Gomez wouldn't even take a Wobie on. You know what I mean? So right. not, not that he's terrible or anything, but it really took a big part of their game away. Uh, and with Coleman bottling Mane on that side, they just stopped going to it. Uh, so Milner's off. So you kind of lost an attacking emphasis on the left side. And then when Nabi Keita went off, I don't think Nabi Keita's all that great. I think they overpaid for him. But you saw the acceleration a couple of times. I mean, he totally turned Gomes at least once or twice. He blew by Davies a few times. He was the one guy who I thought was very dangerous running forward with the ball for Liverpool. So now you take him out. And Wijnaldum's a good player too, but 
he's not quite as swift. Uh, it, the industry is there, of course. Um, so I thought those were big, big differences. Um, and I don't think Origi really did too much. I mean, it's a very different team in Origi plays too. Um, you know what I mean? He's just a very different type of player, but right. I, I thought we did a really good job kind of pushing him on the outside, you know, and he's not going to come back and play like a false nine, like Firmino will do and come back into the midfield and really get the ball wide. But look, without Salah in there, who is so dangerous, it's not as good a team. But yeah, I thought the subs really worked in, in our favor, at least when Liverpool made them. And it was nice to see our left side, Holgate and, and Dean really step up when Liverpool started to move to the right. And then we can get in the Everman, Everton subs, Alex, right? Because we, we did have a question out there that was... Yes. So, you know, I, first of all, I do agree with both your points about the Liverpool subs, right? Some of them uh, were very effective. Their defensive substitutions uh, definitely helped us. However, we waited until the 60th minute to make a substitution, which I think most people would say in a match in which you have three subs, that's the that's the generalized uh, time <laughs> in which fans, in which armchair analysts would call a sub before the match even started. Um, but we saw Gilfie Sigurdsson come on in the 60th minute. Uh, now we had a question on uh, we had a question on Twitter from Derek Bean. Hopefully, I'm saying your name name right. Maybe you're uh, related to Leighton Beans, as I said a couple <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> so no, Derek asked us all a question, and so I thought this I thought this was a, actually it was a good talking point. I think all of us will have uh, decent opinions on it. So Derek asked, or he said, I was kind of surprised by how long we waited to use subs, and then he asked, Do you think it was because? or it was out of concern of further injury or that our structure was just being relatively maintained. Um, so James, why don't you go first? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's primarily a lack of depth on the bench. I think that probably is the, the biggest fuel where Carlo's looking at his options and maybe thinking, you know, you don't have a whole lot of like for like substitutions that you wait, can make wait, there. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Kuka Martinez on the bench. What oh, you <laughs> I'm He's so sorry. You've seen him play left back. How You've could seen- I? How could I have overlooked and I never the great, influential, industrious Cuco Martina? Poor, poor guy. He gets signed on a free to be a backup right back. He gets thrown in to start at left. Oh, Terrible. But yeah, I'm sorry. Terrible. Let's not. I don't want to relive that ever again. That 17, 18 season is the worst. Anyway, move on. Sorry. But you but you look at the options, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty thin. And I think Carlo ended up making the three substitutes that you really could have made in order to affect the game offensively. You look at the ones that didn't make it into the match. Benny Benengami, both keepers. Branthwaite, Baines, and Martina. He had a lot of right? options at keeper. I mean, he did. He, he, he did. He did. He could have pulled Pickford. I mean, <laughs> who knows? Maybe Virginia would have been able to just like ping one down the channel to Dominic. But oh, yeah, it's just no, a function of like enough. we don't we don't have a lot of great options. And what was it was nil nil, right? If we had gone down, he would have been probably forced to play his cards a little sooner. I also think the fitness concerns absolutely played a factor where you know maybe he did wait a little late. Maybe Gordon wasn't completely up to match fitness just yet. But eventually he did make the substitution. I thought Gilfie Sigurdsson, to his credit, he gets a lot of stick every time he plays on the left-hand side, but he thought he did all right in that spot. Um, Nothing spectacular, but he did did a job. And frankly, I think he probably benefits from coming off the bench more than he, he does as a starter. So in my mind, I think Carlo was just thinking, well, we haven't conceded. I think we, we still have... The players on the field still look like they might be able to to take all three points in this one. So let's keep it as is. But I think Gordon, I think the whole team definitely started to tire as the game labored on. But overall, just just had to wait to do it. I mean, I, he probably could have brought Bernard on a little bit earlier in my mind for a Wobie. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think that's kind of the mindset that he's probably going into the going into the second half with. 
Well, Sigerson's positioning was really good. He made it more difficult for them to kind of, they had some success playing it outright and Henderson playing it back through the middle yeah. because Andre Gomes is, like I said, positionally Oof. not so, oh God, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> um, I mean, again, you know, these guys haven't played in a while, so I get it. But um, yeah, Sigurdsson, I thought did a really nice job that way. I mean, you could tell Gordon wants to go forward and I get it. And he, he had some shaky touches and, I I just think it's unfair to expect him to understand all aspects of technical systems. I mean, Siggy's played in obviously some different ones as well too. So that was the right move. I, he was great. And there were a couple of times too where he's a pretty decent first touch passer and player. So I, I thought, I mean, we played DCL over the top. He was offsides, but I thought we were going to see that a couple of times. And his one touch passing actually helped us have some time and, and a couple of dangerous opportunities. I, Davies and Gomes both had a chance to play someone over the top. They, they may have played it into the fender, so I understand taking that extra touch and stuff. But um, I mean, what? Yeah, you look at the bench and Awobi look gas. But who are you going to do? You going to put Bernard in for him? Even when they subbed in Bernard, it they moved Richie back to that position, Richarlison back yep. to that position. Played Bernard as a ten. Basically, we went. I mean, at one point four, five, we kind one. of yeah, we did. We 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 went into a four five one at one point anyway, even without the subs for probably about the last you know fifteen minutes or so, um, and then. You made it made it official uh, by putting Bernard in and moving Richarlison back. You could tell Richarlison was pretty tired too, even running back. But I mean, think about it. You have no option there at all. I mean, I, I'm a little, I don't know what's up with Sadiba. He had to be hurt because I think as much as I don't think he's the greatest player in the world, he would have been the guy that you do that. In. You know what I mean? Like it would have made much more sense to put Sadiba playing back there um, and, and pulling a Wobi off a little earlier if you have those many subs. So, so that's, that that's my guess. I mean, just don't have. I mean, you look at the bench. Like, who would you have brought on? Brantwaite isn't ready. Oh, you're right. My bad. Kuko is on the bench. I agree. Uh, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> what do you? What would our? What would the fan base have done if you had to come on? God. Him? I yeah, mean, was, he was trying to avoid not, just like a revolt. Oh, I know. It would have been crazy. I kept thinking about playing Benny too and putting him in because he's a little more defensively responsible. But but in the second half, I mean, Andre and Tom, Tom especially stepped up a bit. They started winning second balls. They were aggressive. They were kicking people. Um, you know, it was good. Not as much as Fabinho did. I, someone please explain to me how that guy didn't have a yellow card on the first foul. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he had three absolutely brutal fouls. There was another one early. I can't remember who did. But I was like, how is that not a yellow card? I mean, they just took out Richarlison like twice. That was pretty frustrating to me. But yeah, so I think I, I think we both kind of agree. Just the bench just isn't there. You look at it and you're like. I think I think it's fair to say, right? I mean, we're just so limited at the moment. But I, I want to ask you to um, kind of one possibly polarizing question prior to wrapping it up. So we talked about the fact that, right, like the first 15 minutes of the second half, we essentially had no possession. We were just absorbing pressure. Gilfie Sigurdsson, come on. And both of you said that you thought he did a pretty good job. I agree with you. Now, my perception as the match went on, specifically after Gilfie came on, was that we seemed to kind of grow in confidence. And Ryan, as you mentioned specifically, Tom Davies kind of grew into the match. And really, after Sigurdsson came on, you saw him kind of trying to contribute more further forward. Now, I think part of it is the fact that Liverpool were growing kind of tired of nil-nil and maybe trying to scoot up a little further and add more bodies into the attack and that sort of thing. But we started to actually kind of move the ball forward. and, And we had some of our best chances later in the second half. Do you think that Gilfie Sigurdsson was a factor in in maybe seeing our confidence levels raise and and maybe playing some of our our better faster moving football? No, I think you're right. He he absolutely. First of all, he's a better tackler than 
Gordon and frankly, a better tackler maybe than Andre Gomes. Uh, and I know he's not a natural playing deep, but yeah, he, he absolutely a couple times. I mean, he didn't have that many touches, right? Right. I and mean, he's Gilfie never had many touches, but, um, he had a couple quick one touch. I think at 15 touch, he had a couple one touch passes that were effective that created yep. a little time and space for Andre and Tom. And, and like I said, they over dribbled a couple of times that you saw they were facing for, I mean, we didn't have that many chances where we had a player that had time and space Correct. and was facing forward to make a play. So yeah, I thought he made a, he made an impact on there and they were attacking down the right too. And a couple of times we almost made him pay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't, do I think he was a vocal awe inspiring right. Icelandic right. warrior no. out there <laughs> doing do the clap? We should not. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, do, do I think we should not sell him? No, I think we should sell him. So, um, and I love the guy. I, I do. He's one of my favorite players, sadly, but no, he doesn't this team at all. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm sure the people were rusty. You know, we didn't play a practice match, by the way. That's another thing to consider. Right. Yep. Liverpool did. I mean, and granted, it may have been looked like a scrimmage. I saw the highlights of it and they just buried, you know, um, I can't remember which lower level side they played one six nil, but you know, so me, yeah, I mean, I, they were definitely more confident. I don't know if it was Gilfie necessarily, but he he was a better fit for what we were trying to do at that point in the match than Anthony Gordon, and I think he did make a difference. Yeah, he he absolutely did, and I think also again, like we talked about, that substitution by Liverpool, that back line definitely looked a, a little more disorganized after the fact. But I also think you know Anthony Gordon making his first career start, game labors on. He's getting tired. He definitely was holding onto the ball a bit too long, even in the yes, first half at times, coming up to speed to the game. I mean, it's a very Not the only new... one, James, but but he definitely did a couple times. Right. You're like, yeah, come on, man, you got to get. You know, this is this is the derby. I mean, it's this I know the right. Ever. It's like you're playing with the big boys now and and, you know, playing practice matches against the fabled prowess of Cuco Martina is one thing. But then you're going against Trent Alexander-Arnold and it's a slightly different animal. Or so coming think, off the bench when they're tired. Yeah, I mean, because that makes it, a lot of people forget that people come off the bench and they're like, God, he really looked dangerous. Well, yeah, the other teams have been yeah. running their butts off for six. Minutes. Right. Yeah. So, right. so Sigurdsson certainly played a played a significant factor into that. But I also think, you know, Calvert-Lewin really stepped it up in the last few minutes with his with his facilitation with his hold up um just being smarter with holding onto the ball and and making this the safer pass rather than trying to risk maybe a little bit less risky and that that tom davies chance my god that's gonna haunt me for for so so long just sitting there right there for the taking so we think the guy stepped up or do we think just that the difference was lover and went in there and was overwhelmed because I, i I mean, the cynic in me says, well, I mean, come on. The difference was, and you could see us force feeding the ball down the kind of the outside, the left, right. you know, wide area, you know, and taking advantage of Lovren, who, and look, he's not the first guy and won't be the last that Dom in the air gave a lot of problems to. You know what I mean? I mean, we saw Christensen at Chelsea, who I think is a decent center back, just get absolutely Holy manhandled God. by him in the home match against Chelsea. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I, I mean, but but again, we also had time and space to play in the ball. But oh god, you know, on replay, did you see Gomes Gomez Gomes like he's Portuguese, the dude's English. Come on, uh, Gomez. Honestly, he got a piece of Davies' shot. I didn't know that yeah. when I was watching. Um, so, what did you guys think when Davies was running onto the ball? Because oh my god, oh I, I, my I, god, I figured he would just because it was kind of at a bad angle and it wasn't. You know, I wasn't but, expecting much, but it could have been poetic. <laughs> it wasn't either. I totally wasn't. The cynic in me 
would say that I wasn't, but my heart of hearts in that moment, I was on the edge of my seat yep. being like, Oh my God. And then it goes, it goes wide. And I uh, scream some things that I'm not allowed to say on the podcast, but I, there were, there were a lot of expletives. Cause like that was, it wasn't a sitter by any, any stretch, but anytime no. you're that close to the goal and there's not a whole lot of bodies around you, you're just, you're just thinking, thinking that the best might happen. I don't know why my yeah, tortured well, Everton soul can still muster up these types of thoughts, but I they know. did. And we hit it all right, though. Uh, you yeah. know, that's, that's yeah, what I'm saying. It was a good hit. Block it, it's in. All right. So that would have been pandemonium. The crowd would have <laughs> roared two seconds too late. It would have been awesome. I mean, it would have been the most Everton thing of all time to win our first derby. It's so derby. true. It's so long with no yeah, fans. This was there. the game to win. Like, you, you just, yeah. Yep. Yep. And I was, I was fully ready to say, it's been the crowd that's been holding us back all these years. I mean, there's so many to make. I'm just like, no, that's, no, not going to do it. No, not gonna yeah, happen. no, it's, it's, it's definitely not the same. I mean, I think I honestly think that if we had had a fully packed Goodison, that, that we may have gotten that one over the line because I think we would have given the players just that little extra bit of motivation, but ultimately didn't pan out. But again, a nil-nil draw against a team that's run away with the league is is not a bad result, all things considered, with with everything that's happened. All right, so let's let's wrap it up with uh, our man of the matches. Um, if I may, I'll go first on this one, gentlemen. I yes. think I think I'm going to have to go with Seamus Coleman. I don't. He made in numerous tackles, amount of tackles, and I thought that he really did do a fantastic job of keeping Mane relatively quiet. Um, especially in in his older age where you know maybe the NBC commentators mentioned they they felt like he didn't lose a step of pace but I think we can all agree he has in a, a little bit so I think that he helped tremendously in ushering the defense into keeping a clean sheet making sure we were all compact I thought that he was a good leader on the pitch he was arguing he was the first one there to argue when Mike Dean uh made one of a couple at least terrible calls and therefore 19 sucks he has to be my man of the match ryan how about yourself uh i think it was the two goalies on the bench i thought they really (laughs) uh for liverpool is definitely mike dean uh no doubt no No, it's yeah 60 grand man no question he was great um yeah it just takes a lot of guts to be able to try and bottle someone that's that good with the ball and that quick and that athletic for 90 minutes and he really did it i mean he really forced liverpool to attack on the other side, which freed money up from Coleman. Um, yeah, I thought he was outstanding. He even took the ball forward a couple different times, which I know he's very good at and confident at it, but it made all the difference in the world. You know, if Salah's not there, Mane's a very dangerous player, one of the most dangerous players in the league. It had to be it had to be him. I mean, I, Richarlison, I thought, was was not his best game, but his effort and some of the cool stuff he did early. He definitely had the Brazilian Jenga going for a little yes. bit. It was fun. Uh, and I thought Dean really grew into the game as well, too. Mason Holgate probably deserves a bit of a shout, too. I thought he was um, he was even better in the air than he normally is. Normally, he doesn't face a lot of the aerial stuff because our other center back is taller and normally does it. But um, he used his footwork very well. He's much, he's much stronger than he used to be, too. And, and uh, he made a crucial block at one point in the first half. I think it was him. He was excellent. But yeah, it's got to be 60 grand, man. I thought Seamus definitely deserves it. He, he, he was the big difference maker as to why Liverpool did not create did not create as many chances as they normally would. So kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, I think Coleman's the one that will get most of the plaudits after the game. And and but the other two guys that you mentioned, Ryan, are also excellent mentions. I mean, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with Richarlison for mine just to switch things right. up a little bit. Yeah, I thought in attack, I mean, he ended up with five shots, which is half of or over half of what we ended up with as a team. I think we had nine total, and you know, some really nice dribbling. Looks like he's hasn't really missed a beat 
probably less so than the rest of our squad, really up to full speed, full fitness. Hopefully that continues. I mean, he took his typical number of knocks throughout the match where just gets he gets bullied every match. Every team goes out, you know, he's got a, a mark on his back. Everyone wants to to beat him up, but he he fought through it. He played the full 90. And I think, you know, if he can really keep up this level of, of form for the rest of the season against lesser opposition, he's really going to be able to be, I think, pretty prolific for the rest of the season. Hey, what a leader. You know, I know he's just a young kid, but um, God, does he play hard? Uh, I, I just, I, I, how can you dislike the guy? You know, probably he, the most lovable player we've had maybe since I became a fan of the team. Um, as far as like a new new player to come in and quickly ingratiate yourself with the fan base. I mean, the quotes, the video clips of him singing his song on that, like, oh Twitch God, streamers. That I mean, unbelievable. And then the quote about Van Dyke. I mean, you just love have it. to love Richie. You have to love, love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, either way, man, I, I both those guys definitely deserved high marks. Um, I'm, I'm just glad we got the point. We deserve the point. We did. We did. Truly. We really did. And it, it was a good match. All things considered. I think all Evertonians, although we should always want to win, uh, we know how it goes. So I, I think we should all be pretty pleased with the draw. And I think that's actually a really good springboard to see us try to propel ourselves off the table, uh, through the rest of project restart and this, uh, kind of wacky season. Look out for our match reaction video, um, or excuse me, our match reaction episode, on Wednesday, following the match. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us as always. Pleasure, guys. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.